You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. From the first cry to the last breath, music therapy offers clinical interventions to promote healing and relieve suffering. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. DeForia Lane, Director of Music Therapy at University Hospitals of Cleveland, Ireland Cancer Center, and Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital. Dr. Lane, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Good to be with you. What happens in the brain and body when we hear music? When we look at how music affects pain, for example, Um, we've noticed that the body's natural opiates are released when a person is listening to or engaged in music of their preference. So that's why, that's one of the reasons we think that music decreases our pain perception. And uh, we've seen it in patients who are ambulating right after surgery, who use, um, well, we, we supply live music. We literally walk next to them and have noted they rate their their discomfort, their pain, much less than those who are not. We use it with music-assisted labor and delivery, and those women during labor and delivery receive music at the time of pushing, uh, music of their choice, and then very relaxing music during the time in between the contractions. And we compared them to those who had no music during their labor and found that those who used it um, in conjunction with the music therapist during labor rated their discomfort less. So those are some of the ways. We've seen patients with a patient-controlled analgesic pump where uh, use less narcotic when they are listening to their preferred music as opposed to those who are not. Uh, Yale New Haven did a wonderful study using that whole concept we, we know that it has a physiological effect on, on the body. And quite frankly, you can't affect your, your patients physically without having an emotional effect, too. So psychologically, we see changes in mood, in motivation, OT and PTs, when we're, and speech and language pathologists, when we're co-treating or working together, we've seen significantly longer sessions with less complaining, and they'll do more repetitions of their uh, specific um, exercises. So music increases our fluidness, our motor planning ability. We've seen that happen in Parkinson's patients and their gait. You better stop me because I think the the implications of how music can be used and address the body, we're wired to respond to music. What are the different specialty areas of music therapy? One of the most intriguing to me is called neurologic music therapy, and that's the use of music specifically in patients with stroke and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. And we've seen how music can assist with speaking again because of the most of us had been taught that music is only a right brain function. But quite frankly, if you put a person under uh, an MRI or a PET scan, a PET scan, you can see that music is very diffuse in the brain. So we've used it with patients who can't speak or who are apraxic or aphasic, and we've watched changes there by using a process called melodic intonation therapy. We've used music as a motor planning uh, technique with 
patients who have stroke or Parkinson's. So our bodies are, again, uh, able to to use how we're naturally wired. If, if you go into a grocery store and there's music playing overhead, you literally stay longer and spend more money. So um, we as music therapists are just simply taking the way that we know the body and mind respond and trying to, to use it um, in effective ways. What areas does your music therapy research focus on? We're looking at how the coping skills of cancer patients and their families are affected by music. We're also looking at how music can help in the process of rehabilitation for those with knee replacements, hip replacements, and stroke. We love using music in support group fashion in order to uh, get people to use each other's experiences and to be able to express what they're thinking and feeling. I think one of the most difficult things I, I hate seeing when I walk into a room is that people hold on to the things that, that are bothering them when they're diagnosed with something. And the more you hold it inside, it has no place to go, and it, it tends to, to eat at you as opposed to giving you the freedom to share and talk. And I think music therapy sessions can provide for the family an ability to talk but also to receive information, too. So, so those are some ways. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. DeForia Lane discussing music therapy. Dr. Lane, is a referral necessary for a patient to receive music therapy? Here at our hospital, patients self-refer, the physicians refer their patients, as well as nursing and social work. Uh, because the program is pretty visible and we've been here for a while, people know about it and ask. But a referral is definitely uh, appreciated but not necessary. Uh, I think anybody can use it. It's just that it helps us to prioritize who we see. Who pays for music therapy? If we are working without patients in psych, um, that is third-party reimbursable. If we are working with medical surgical patients, Proving medical necessity is a must in order to bill their insurance companies. So it depends on the facility, the hospital. It's something that is very individualized and has to be submitted to each uh, insurance company. My hospital, I have to admit, is probably one of the most progressive-minded. They have just said, DeForia, we love what you do, how it affects the patients. They do not bill for it at all, that we are simply bottom line, and it's a part of what they want to offer our patients here at the Ireland Cancer Center. When should a doctor make a referral for music therapy? As soon as possible. And the reason I say that, if I meet you at the beginning of a cancer diagnosis and get to know you before treatment begins and any side effects occur, then the rapport between us the finding out about how we can use it and what your preferences are, my accumulating the the music or finding the instruments that are going to be best used for you, all of that can be helpful from the very beginning. If I meet you when you are 
when you have stomatitis and you're GVH, I mean, you're rejecting things, you're having a very difficult time, then it's not that music can't be effective, but it's harder to build the sensitive connection. And we're working at a time that people are are just much more seriously affected. Now, I'll be honest, initially our physicians would refer patients when they were dying, and they didn't realize that working with them for pain perception and for anxiety and for uh, compliance was even possible. They didn't see music therapy in that way. And now that they have, they refer them much earlier on in the whole process. Do you have a story of a patient who benefited from music therapy? The Turners were a family that whose mother was the patient. Uh, the children were in their teens all the way down to eight. She was eventually placed in intensive care, and every indication was that her days were short. How to involve the children at that time and to provide something that gave a quality of life was what we were most concerned about. And... I took the children aside, and we started writing a song for their mother to the tune of, These are a few of my favorite things. And I asked them, What are the favorite things that your mother does? And they began to just describe her in the most beautiful ways. And we wrote the song together. I took them back into the room And we sang it for her with accompaniment and instruments in their hands. We recorded it. We left the CD for her to listen to at night while her children were at home. And um, we left a copy on the door, on the window of the intensive care, so that other nurses and staff could see what the mother, how how much in esteem she was held and and loved by those children. And it ended up that... um, She was encouraged by that so much, and her children felt they were doing something to to really help her. So that was one example, I think, that that I shall never forget. Will you give our listeners an example of a music therapy intervention? Okay. All right. I was going to give you a, a songwriting intervention because it's one that your listeners can easily take advantage of themselves. I take a familiar song, and the meaning behind its original words are usually something I want to emphasize to uh, the, the client or the patient. For example, the song Sunshine on My Shoulder, the John Denver song that, that sings, Sunshine on my shoulder makes me happy. Now, I ask the patient, what makes you happy? And I take out the word sunshine and put their word in the place of it. The next line is sunshine in my eyes can make me cry. I take out the word sunshine and ask, what makes you cry? What brings tears? And we finished all four lines in that similar fashion. And then I sing the song back to the patient or have them sing it. Or if there's someone else in the room I would love to have their input, too, a spouse, a child, a a visiting friend. And we've worked together very quickly, getting to things that are very personal and meaningful to that person, and then are able to use it as a springboard for further discussion. And often, they will write that song 
for someone they love or admire or have gratitude towards, like a nurse or a doctor, and we can bring them in and literally perform it for them as well. So those are are small but meaningful ways that we acknowledge the person in addition to the patient. And they've been very effective means of using music. How can listeners learn more about music therapy? The American Music Therapy Association has a website, www.musictherapy.org. They are welcome to go to the website, www.musicasmedicine.com. That's one that we have here at the hospital. Dr. Lane, thank you for joining us today. You are more than welcome. It's been a delight to share with your listeners. I'm Susan Dolan, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.